hello, and welcome to the Hamsteak Podcast. I'm Alex, and I have not read Homestuck before. My name's Lydia, and I have read it before, and we're going to tell you about some of it today. We are. So this week we read pages 2810 through 2879, um, and before we pick up with that, we should tell you a little bit about what went down before there. Yeah. So where we left off, John has... Uh, defeated the ogres on his rooftop and is collecting the loot that they left behind. Right. Um, meanwhile, um, Dave is continuing to get wrecked on his rooftop and Rose is sort of poking around in a mysterious basement lab. Yes, and Jade has reached the bottom of her house. Right, and is just about to confront her grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, PM is currently in a flying orb. Yes. With a view screen. And we don't know where WV is. Nope. And- oh, and also Dad is fighting some imps. Yep. Yeah, that's where all the characters are. I'm happy that there's only seven characters in this comic and we don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> so we pick back up with John. Um, so he jumps through into his, uh, his father's room, except JK, we're now in Jade's foyer. Yes. Um, um go ahead first. So she does, she does a last scamper. <laughs> into a globe. Into a globe. Because there's no So yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also want to point out that what we immediately cut to is a tall and ominous grandfather clock with Jade wearing pajamas, like a, a portrait of her wearing weird pajamas on the mm-hmm. top of it. Um, and it's surrounded by candles. Surrounded by candles, and it's colored half purple and half yellow, sliced neatly down the middle. Yes. Um, that will look familiar to you if you are coming back to this. <laughs> I can't remember how familiar it's supposed to look, though. I think, I think I know what it is, but I can't remember if it is exactly one of those or if it's just a riff on one of those. And if it's just a riff on one of those, then I can't remember... The significance of the riffing, or what it actually is, and that's kind of frustrating me, and I didn't have time to look it up before I recorded this episode, so oh. if you have a lead, don't message Alex, but message me. <laughs> <laughs> so don't message the, the show, but you'll, you'll, we'll tell you where to find me, and just, you know, hit me up. Yeah, stay tuned to find out where to message us. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, in the foyer, there are four tall figures sitting in chairs who are taxidermied. Yeah, they're they, like, one of them's like a mummy, I think? One of them has a deer head? Yeah, one of them has a deer head, one of them is a mummy, one of them has, like, a knight helmet. I don't remember the fourth one. Yeah. they're Well, they're shrouded in shadow. Yeah, which, like, okay, like, I feel like because of the art style of this comic and the tone of this comic, there's a limit to how spooky they can be, but, like, that's spooky as fuck. It's pretty spooky, yeah. <laughs> like, in reality, you're, like, trying to skulk out through this virtually empty giant mansion, and you have to get out through this, like, super dark, cluttered room, you're armed with a rifle, and there's just these, like, horrific taxidermied things that should not be... <laughs> conferring at a table or like set up to look like they're conferring at a table because they're clearly not alive. And they also, yeah, they they also line the way to the door. 
there's a bunch of them. These rooms are so cluttered with creepy shit. Yeah. So, like, you have to get past these things to get out. Right. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's creepy. But then, again, in, like, tonal whiplash, um, uh, so Jade's grandpa's silhouette pops out with fire behind him. But the mm-hmm. way that this is narratively described is just the old, the big man, the old man, has the flame, and it's a link to a Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff comic. <laughs> did you did you read the Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff? No, I missed that. I miss I keep missing these links for some reason. My eyes were not tuned to see blue this morning. Mm. Well, th- this link is it's not even it's not really styled as a link. It's just bigger oh, it's, and red and Comic Sans. Oh, it's the okay. I didn't notice that was a link then. Yeah. All right, so this Sweet Burn Hello Jeff comic, uh, the first one says, Bro, I got a ticket for the big game. It's sports. The other guy goes, Dog, I'm so jealous. You know I love the, the, the big game. Oh, yeah. And there he goes. The big man has the rock. He's driving so hard through the paint downtown. I'll you for the slam dunk. Uh. That's the comic. That was a live. That was a live read, folks. You didn't even know that you were gonna get treated. Maybe you probably did because I'm probably gonna put it in the show notes. You, <laughs> you've been treated to a live performance of a Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff comic by none other than Alex himself. Live, yeah, live for them. Yeah. Hey, I okay. Well, listen, I have been treated to a live performance anyway. <laughs> I feel. Very special for having experienced that. And I, I like the last... There's no real punchline to this comic. It's just that, like, in the last panel, like, the basketball player is, like, about to, like, dunk. Except it's got one of those, like, clear, like, backboards. And uh-huh. behind it is, like, I think that's bro. That's, like, sweet bro. And I he's... he's. I mean, he's this tiny little, like, like, pajama-y man. What? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know which one he is. But... He's just, like, staring through the backboard. He's, like, hanging from the backboard with his face, like, smooshed up really close to it. With the the face, like, his... Their faces (laughs) are so funny. They're really... You can tell, like, it's really funny because, like, Hussey's clearly, like, actually really good at drawing. And really (laughs) well executes... Like, executes very well the terrible drawing aesthetic of these comics but like somehow manages to authentically render these really funny expressions in ways that feel totally true to them being incredibly poorly drawn they feel like an accident yeah exactly and also just looking at this page i noticed that this like this weird mouth shape is like it's a different drawing every time it's not just copy and pasted oh i didn't notice that that's impressive (laughs) <laughs> That's impressive that he succeeds in that that many times. But I mean, the, the man is a professional, I guess. Yes, he's a professional super and hello Jeff drawer. Um. So then we we cut back to Jade, who is about to leap across the hallway that her grandfather is looming over and falls asleep. Yeah, mid mid leap. Yeah. Jade falls asleep, and then it looks like we're about to go see Dave fight some more, and then the preloader changes halfway through. Um, and we are, in fact, still with Jade, who wakes up and um, begins to pew at Grandpa. She doesn't actually appear to be shooting her gun. She's just yep. leaping around, pointing it at him and making pew, pew, pew noises. That's right. 
So similar to um, when we were able to control her with the keyboard when she was playing the flute badly, we can control her with the keyboard as she pews her grandpa. Um, and each key is a different, a different animation. And you can just mash them and make her jitter around the screen. Yeah, it's pretty great. I thought that one and, was really cute. <laughs> yeah, and Zed is still sleep. Oh. But then forward slash is also sleep, but on top of the grandfather clock. Aww. Mm-hmm. Um, we should also point out that uh, Grandpa has a big stitch. Grandpa is standing on top of a plaque that has Grandpa Hartley mm-hmm. written on it, and he's got a big stitch running down the side of his face. Yeah, and he's completely immobile. Yeah, which is which is in fact confirmed in the next panel, uh, yep. or the next couple panels when we see Jade stomping out of the house and just thinking he was so much easier to deal with when he was alive. Yeah, yeah. So my assumption here is that since she's psychic, she can like she's still communicating with him, and he's still like being her guardian. Huh. But that might be completely wrong, and she might just be delusional about it. I'm not actually sure. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I can see her being a little bit, not delusional exactly, but just that she's the kind of person who feels so obligated to sort of, like, pay respects every time she goes by that she would imagine this dialogue. (laughs) I guess so, yeah, that that makes sense. Because, yeah, I, I think she's pretty... She's pretty together, like, mentally. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, like, she has no... There's no, like, oh, the psychic one is mentally unstable. Right, which is so nice. Yeah. Because so often that happens, and it's like, no, she's she's actually incredibly well-adjusted. Yeah. Just happens to know things ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And she's pretty polite about it. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about that last time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so we, we cut briefly to PM, who um, loses some of her mailboxes out of the explosion hole. Um, and then we do cut to Rose. You keep, who you keep calling Jade in your notes, like, interchangeably with Rose. Oops. <laughs> it's okay, I do that with Dave and John, too. Aww. So in the lab where Rose is, um, she's found this arcade machine, but the screen has the Apirifier symbol on it, the three stars of David. Um, and so she goes over to that, and it seems to be a console for controlling an appear And she can look into the past or the future. Right, and so she uses it, except it's locked onto um, her cat Jasper's. Yes. And so what she happens to see is Jasper's in a psychoanalysis session with her when she's about four years old. He's wearing a little suit. Not as fancy as the one he's wearing now, but he's wearing a little suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently he tells her a secret as we watch yes. this event unfold in time in the past with Rose. Right. He tells and her a secret, which we don't hear. And then immediately disappears. Right. Assumingly being disappearified. Okay. Yes. Somewhere. Except the appearifier that she's using now can't track him. Like there's no video signal for the time that he was gone. Right. Then he appears again. Um, Rose can see him through the terminal again, dead on a riverbank. Yeah, and that's where she found his body as a child, and it's really sad. It's really sad. It's, like, really genuinely sad. Mm-hmm. 
So then we see the funeral that her mom held for Jasper's and his fancy new suit mm-hmm. to be buried in. Right, but she, um, that doesn't stop her from trying to bring a living Jasper's into the future, uh, but the machine won't let her. Right, so it creates this paradox, ghost slime, that uh, happened with the pumpkin before um, in the shape of Jasper's, and then it immediately kind of plops down. Mm-hmm. It being But slime. then, yes, but then the... Uh, the machine that's hooked up to the purifier does some calculating at, with the ghost slime. Presumably and, it's genes, because we see, like, C-T-A-G-G-G-A-C-T-T. Oh, I didn't look at that. Yeah. Um, and then it plops out a mutant baby cat fetus with two heads and with three eyes each. Um, and, yeah, so it's weird uh, ectobiology experiments happening. Yep. Um, I want to point out that what we have just witnessed is one of the most important processes in Homestuck. Uh, all right. Paradox. Paradox. Paradox, like, ghost imprint cloning processes are the answer to a number of really, really big questions. That, there you go. Yeah, which in theory, if you, if you, Alex, really think about it, might be able to figure out, but you probably won't. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, but, so, the... <laughs> Sorry, was the, that a, was that a sarcastic thanks, or, like... Yeah, like, it sounded like you were, like, saying I'm stupid. No, 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 no! Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean it that way. It's more like... I'm kidding. The, it, was, it was more like the odds that you invest the amount of time to try to tease it out yourself... Sure. Are unlikely because that's a stupid way to spend your time. <laughs> um, fair enough. Um, so I figure from this sequence that the mutant kitten that has been following Rose around is a result of these experiments. Mm-hmm. And that's why the machine was locked on Jasper's. Right. Um, I also want to point out that at the end of The Flash... Um, where we see Rose going through um, Jasper's sort of pass through this terminal. If you look really carefully in the bottom right corner, a pink horseshoe will flash at the same time as, like, the flash ends and we get the replay button. Uh It's in the opposite corner. Did you see that? No. Okay. Um, Okay, well, so then you might actually want to click on this and and check it out now. Um, If you look in my notes, I actually put um, a link to what clicking on that horseshoe will take you to. It just flashes and then it disappears, but if you click on where it was... Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh my. (laughs) Stick with it for a second, too. Okay. This is... Rose. Mm -hmm. On the horse that her mom gave her? Yep. On the pony wearing the scarf. named... What exactly? Uh, Buttercup, I think? Maybe. And, oh, there's some pictures, some crudely drawn <laughs> pictures of Rose hugging the horse. Yeah, that was why I said to stay with it, because every time you get a symbol crash, there's a cute little drawing oh of my. her spending time with the, the pony. How long is this? A while, I think. You don't have to stick <laughs> with all of them, but you saw the first two, right? Yeah. Okay. 
So that's the gist of it. Um, we'll probably put the link in the show notes because it's pretty glorious. Oh, there was there was John. Where's John? John's the third one. Oh, He's with a top hat <laughs> and like leaning up against the slime mm. at the saloon. Um, yes. Yeah. So this is great, and uh, we're gonna. Put... Oh, it's only it's only it's only four bars long. It's only... um the fourth one is just nay. It says the word nay. Mm-hmm. And you actually hear someone, a small girl's voice, saying the word nay quietly. <laughs> and there you go. And that's the end. So we will include, oh man, God, the like, simplistic, quick cuts, and like, kind of tedious length of that remind me so much of like, old, old school Flash. Yeah. Like, it's very, like, Badger song. Yes, exactly. (laughs) In fact, that was probably to the tempo of Badger song. It probably matched those up. It was! Oh, man, that's so weird! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, that'll be in the the show notes. Um, You should watch it. It's cute. It's not a bad Mm -hmm. way to spend, like, one minute of your life. Um, so then we, we come out of that flash and, uh, Rose retrieves, um, Jasper. She, she reappearifies Jasper's from where his, his dead body, she accidentally put it on a transportalizer mm-hmm. and it disappeared, but she's able to reappearify him from wherever he was. We don't know where he went, yes. uh, but she's about to go there cause she grabs him, grabs her stuff, grabs the living kitten and escape. She calls it escapalizing through mm-hmm. the transportalizer down to wherever we don't know. Yeah, you said down though. So, uh, I don't actually know why I said down. I don't remember okay. where she's going. Um, I mean, I have to, I have to like second guess every word you say. Sorry. Because it might, no, in a good way, <laughs> that it might like hide a secret. Oh, I feel like my words are full of so much significance now. Yeah. <laughs> so we come back to Jade. Yep. Who is looking for Becquerel? Because she can't see his future. That's right. She cannot interact with him psychically. Right. Except we see him appear in the distance in this flash of crackling green and yellow energy. Hmm. Well, it's, it's not a flash, though. It's a gif, right? Yeah, it's not a literal flash. I mean, like, like, like a flash of lightning. And then, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, he comes up behind the hill behind her, and these, like, green waves radiate from his head. And, like, fill the sky with blackness. And then she looks around and he's not there. Yeah. Note that, like, there's a split second when we see crackling lightning. And uh, notice that that looks really, really similar to the energy that we saw. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we, we, we cut real quick back to John, who is bugging out in his dad's room because there's no clouds. Yeah, and he's also, like, he's just calling them clowns now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he looks around his dad's room, and we actually get an animation, like a flash of John, like, his horror-stricken face at realizing his dad, his dad's room is really boring. (laughs) He just has, like, hats and shoes and, like, those posters of, like, like, black and white posters of some, like, fedora-wearing guy from the 40s or something Mm -hmm. and like a poster of the pixelated pipe that he uses Mm -hmm. um there's no clowns anywhere 
Yeah, it's just, it's all, like, all the big dramatic captions are just, like, just an ordinary businessman. Yeah. No secrets at all. <laughs> um, And then we end that with John just kind of shivering on his dad's bed in the fetal position. Yeah. I, I like, I laughed out loud at this. It was a really good. That's definitely one of the jokes that is only fun. It's only that funny the first time. Yeah, I imagine. Um, so I'm glad you got to experience that. I'm a little bit jealous because I, I can remember like losing it the first time I saw that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. Mm. Um, and it's just John thinking about like, oh, like, I guess he was just, oh, I thought, I always thought he was like busking for a living, but I guess he really is just going out to some like boring job. Yeah. Which I mean, cause earlier, like way earlier in the comic when he was using the PDA and his dad's, um, like business social social media Mm -hmm. was freaking out about like hats Mm -hmm. um yeah it was he assumes that it's that it's his his dad's um street performer friends and then oh i see like no um businessman yeah and i just like i i don't know we talked about this a couple episodes ago but um there are like this this comic is absurd but there are some themes a lot of the themes that it handles more indirectly it handles in a lot it like handles with them with some emotional heft Mm -hmm. um and i think this is one of them where like this is absurd and it's really funny but i also think it's a really apt like given also how kind of dire their circumstances is are um Mm -hmm. i kind of feel like this is a really apt um metaphor for like what happens as you sort of become a teenager and you start to get to know your parents as people living their own right. lives instead of just as, you know, archetype figures in your own life. Right. So, you know, a big reveal like this forces you to think about, like, what, you know, what was my dad's life really like? You know, what were his days really like when he wasn't around me? Right. And like, oh, he's so different. Like, I don't know. I, it, I don't know. It was, it's a little thought-provoking. No, yeah, it is. It's very true to life. It's kind of like an exaggeration of something that is real. Yeah. Um, um, so then we cut to the dad himself. Mm-hmm. He's in the, uh, kingdom of darkness and the imps are trying to contain him in a cell by putting heavy objects in front of it, but he just lifts them all. <laughs> He's really strong, apparently. Yeah. He just lifts a safe above his head. Yeah. Which I like, cause he looks like just like a, a noodly like dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And then we cut to who Alex, someone who Alex calls the weird forehead imp guy. <laughs> yeah, that's his name. Shortly. Um, yes. Okay, wait, wait, what do you mean by the nice animation of some yellow? A nice animation of some, it's the next, next page. Oh, some yellow hands on a Dell keyboard. Those are supposed to be Andrew Hussey's hands. All right, I see. That's the color that he he draws himself in. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's... Huh. It's like a really bad flesh tone, depending on what color monitor you're using. Right. I just mean, like, it's interesting that he's putting himself there, and that he will continue to do so. Yeah, and not often, but he does self-insert a couple times. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's like, a long visual gag with him as a self-insert character later on. Nice. Um. Yeah. So then we... 
so so the joke here is that the the reader is supposed to think that this character's name is Spade Slick because it's the same sprite with different clothes on. As the Midnight Crew guy? Yeah. I see. It's exactly the same sprite. Um, but he's missing the slash on his eye. Obviously, he's missing the fedora. He's just, you know, he's bald. He's he's got obviously they're all bald. Um, right. He's just wearing like a silly little like Harlequin sweater uniform thing. Um, mm-hmm. So he looks like Spade Slick, but he's not. Um, then we take another <laughs> we take another stab at it, which is funny because it's Spade Slick, and that's what he does is he stabs people. Uh, but it's okay. not really him. Um, I love so, this character. <laughs> he seems interesting, for sure. So his name is Arc Agent Jack Noir. Mm-hmm. Arc being, like, spelled like Archangel. Yeah. Um, You've never heard that term before, Arch Agent? Uh, no. Okay. I thought that was made up for this. Let me like, check that. That sounds fake. Oh. Okay. I guess I'm just so familiar with reading it in Homestuck, but um, I <laughs> thought it was a real word. It's fully, it's not a real word. And I've already always been reading it Archagent, but it's probably supposed to be Archagent. Um, so yeah, he has these view screens, which are just kind of windows that he can observe things through. And he has a cubicle of vigilance, except that his fourth wall was taken. Ha 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 ha. That's a joke, but it also is literally true. (laughs) It's also literally narratively true. Um, In the kind of joke that just doesn't, I don't know about you, because this is your first time reading it, but like just doesn't even raise your eyebrows at all. Sure. anymore like i'm not like huh that's an interesting like way to handle a joke because it's both you know a fourth wall breaking conceit and an in-story whatever yeah um so we find out that this character and his colleagues have been ordered to um to don harlequin garb mm-hmm. um which is very interesting because it confirms for the first time that this dark kingdom is, like, it's pre-existent in this realm. And the prototyped Kern sprite that John introduced to this world didn't bring the kingdom and these imps into existence. It just told, it, it just, like, told their monarch to tell them what to wear. <laughs> Nanosprite made it sound so much more metaphysical, you know? It has always existed, and yet it was only born just today. It, no, it's always yeah. been there. It's always been there, but they just started wearing clown costumes today. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, so then, um, so Jack is complaining about his uniform. He is having some trouble containing John's dad, so he calls a minion who looks an awful lot like Hart's boxcar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that gets interrupted by the glorious monarch um, contacting Jack and uh, insisting that he wear this hat that he despises. Yeah, which he does by flashing his eyes and then flashing his. Uh, oh, sorry, is the monarch a he? Uh, what you're asking if the monarch is a he? Yeah. Um. It's not really a big spoiler to say no. Okay. Okay, um, so yeah, so the monarch, um, just points at the hat. Mm-hmm. Um, 
without, like, wordlessly. Yeah. Point. I should also point out that their eye is slashed. Um, the same way that we see Jack's eye being slashed much later. Or, not much later. Uh, the way that we have seen Jack's eye slashed. Um, and also the way that the Harlequin that John originally... Oh, yeah, named. I didn't remember that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Motifs. Haha. Um, so yeah, so it, it sort of insists that, uh, that Jack put on that, uh, that hat. And then, mm-hmm. uh, we cut back to John again. Who finds some unopened birthday presents in his dad's room. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh, why do you assume those are for you? That's pretty rude. But then I remember that it, it's actually still his birthday. It is literally his birthday, and I think it's safe to assume they probably had little tags on them. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so he starts he starts opening stuff up. One of the things he picks up is a, um, a Silidex control deck thing, mm-hmm. which he manages to immediately... It, it, like, is about to be a way to manage his inventory very simply and efficiently. He but managed... he, thinks that's, he thinks that's boring. <laughs> so he, like, makes his Silidex this weird hybrid uh, <laughs> modus. With, like, three different stacks. It's an array it's wh- of Q stacks. Yeah. So you can access the top or bottom elements only of three separate piles. Yeah. As opposed to literally any pile. Yeah. For for no reason except he wants to be obtuse. He wants to be obtuse, and he... Part of his reasoning is, like, it's hard to weaponize if you can just access everything, because you can't fuck up. You can't launch and, things. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is... Fair enough, I guess. That's been a pretty good uh, strategy for him so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do all of that. And then um, John also gets some fruit gushers and a suit. He does. He likes the suit a lot, which is really <laughs> cute. He just, like, beams at the camera. Yeah. He's real happy to get a suit. Yeah. Which I like. So he's... Yeah. So he fills the... Like, he gets a bunch of like, new cards, as like, empty cards for Asilidex as well, uh-huh. which brings him up to 24, which is quite a lot more than his, like, initial three or five. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he just fills the empty cards with shoes <laughs> from his dad's room. Yep. Because I guess when he, when he picks up new items, he wants to be able to launch a shoe. <laughs> I think that's the deal. Um, so yeah, he goes to... Uh, enjoy some of his fruit gushers. Mm-hmm. But then... He goes to pick up some massive tropical brain hemorrhage gushers, only to mm-hmm. notice the Betty Crocker logo real small in the top left corner. Yep. And he flips out. He does. He calls her a, hy- a highness batter witch, who has her gnarled claws in everything. <laughs> and then we get an animation of John having a mental breakdown. But then he calms down. He's like, this isn't that big of a deal, actually. Mm-hmm. So um, that throwaway line becomes uh, incredibly powerfully plot salient in about 3,300 pages. Great. And remains so for, like, the rest of the story. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to remember. Uh, that's That's kind of the point. Yeah. I just, I like to point out... Um, I guess especially for people who aren't reading along, like, you know, that's one way to consume, like, I just, I think it's, it's funny to, to have it pointed out, like, 
how far back he reaches in the future for his like future jokes. You know what? Right. What is a plot point now that becomes a joke later? What's a joke now that becomes a plot point later? Right. Um, and especially if you're, you know, if you're listening weekly instead of pounding all of this by reading for like four hours a night for two weeks, um, it's a lot harder to catch those recurrences. And so I don't know. Mm. I'm just pointing them out. Also, I'm just obsessed with like seeing them being like, I know what it is, and then counting pages. <laughs> um, and that's about it. Then uh, John is. Uh, John commences to have a mental breakdown um, about the fruit gushers in a cute little flash. That's basically just like how many like gusher flavor jokes can Andrew Hussey make in a minute? Yeah, and there's some real good ones. <laughs> um, oh, what were some of them? I want to. Can I like watch? Since I mean, like we can edit the, out the process of me watching, but um, can I? Can we like watch this and like just read out some of the good ones? Uh, yeah. So, what are... so, first is, uh, Cool Fructose Monsoon. Kiwi Mango Colonic Rush. Wicked Watermelon uh, Groin Injury. <laughs> mixed Berry Social Anxiety Disorder. <laughs> Neon Green Ectofacial Blast. Jam and Sour Diabetic Coma. Uh, actually, I don't like that one. Yeah. Wild Cherry uh, Ape Shit Apocalypse. <laughs> Uh, ranch dressing rampage. Oh, God. <laughs> Imagine a ranch dressing fruit gusher. I'm, oh, I'm imagining it. Yeah. And it's just like his face of horror <laughs> as the Betty Crocker spoon fades in. Mm -hmm. Except then it, there's a genuine record scratch, um, sound. And then we cut to John actually like, instead of like just super close ups on his face and packages floating around in the background, it's him standing in the room holding the Gushers package and doing his, like, confused, like, arm-wavy like, thing that's just like, this is stupid! <laughs> yeah. Which is exactly how I deal with my feelings, too. So, <laughs> good on you, John. <laughs> um, uh, and, that's, and yeah, that's, that's, where we, that's where we end for this week. Alright, so if you guys want to ask us questions, you can send us an ask on Tumblr. We are hamsteakpodcast.tumblr. You can also send us a tweet on Twitter. We are hamsteakpodcast on Twitter. And you can send us an email. We are hamsteakpodcast at gmail.com. They're all exactly the same. Um, yes. But, so, unfortunately, uh, this week we forgot to check um, Twitter for questions. So this is a belated response to... Um, are they a friend of the show? They're a friend of Alex, so yeah. To friend of Alex, I, that's true. I suppose I, I've, I've been like in a chat room with Pastor before. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yes. So we we just answered these questions, uh, but someone forgot to record. Doesn't matter who. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> don't look at me. You can't <laughs> look at me. It's a podcast. But don't look at me anyway. So. The first question is for Lydia, and it is, describe your favorite character that we haven't met yet without naming them. <laughs> okay, so the cool part about me having, like, essentially done a dry run of this uh, that we didn't know was a dry run is that now I don't have to ramble for six million hours as I try and settle on my character, and I already know who it is. And they're really cool, and they're, like, such an obvious choice, um, but I'm gonna pick them anyway because they are a big sweetie. That is a big 
like cranky person also and they're very funny um and like they're just impossibly crabby in a way that I find really entertaining and generally it could feel so overblown and it usually doesn't um and they're like I think deep down they're a really good person um and they are sort of interestingly at war with like their past selves like they really have trouble making peace with their own choices in the past and that gets handled in sort of an interesting way so I'm excited I'm excited to meet them Nice. Um, the second question is for me, and it is predict which characters we've met that I think will die. Uh, <laughs> and I have no reason to believe that anyone will die. Why would that happen? Who would kill off their own characters? I don't know. Have you seen the graphic? Like, one of the panels of the comic is literally Andrew Hussey, like, looming and large and, like, making a uh, villainous hand gesture over, like, dozens of pictures of the different characters with, like, flashing X's over all the ones that are dead. Why would I have seen that? I don't know, because I feel like it's pretty iconic. Uh, maybe. I don't think so. It probably didn't make sense to you at the time. It probably, yeah. you didn't see it, because I forget that not everybody ran in weird homestuck circles at a misguided point in their youth. <laughs> um, the second, or, sorry, the third. Um, the last question... <laughs> I, I, I can't remember to record, but Alex can't remember how to count, so, like, trust us as your authority on this story. The last question from Pastor is, which Echeladder rung do both of us think that we're at? Uh, hashtag come up with a punny name. This took us, like, ten minutes to do. Yeah, it was really bad, so you guys are lucky. Um, Lydia, go ahead. Oh, um, so we decided that, um... Because I have somehow miraculously succeeded in, like, applying and being accepted to grad school and, like, people actually want to, like, give me money to, like, go do science for, like, the next six years of my life. Um, which is really exciting, by the way. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, I, that my, because I'm, like, a baby academic now, sort of, I am a toddle scholar. <laughs> um, and I am not up to much in terms of my echelada rung of life right now. Mm. But I've been uh, consuming a lot of media. So I am a media gator. Just like a mediator. And also a media gator. Because I chomp it all up. And also a media aggregator. Uh, <laughs> ah. Well, there you go. God. Thanks for the questions, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. All right. Yeah, All we're, right. we're splicing this into a middle, right? So we probably don't have to say bye. Yeah. Okay. So next week, we're going to read pages 2880 through 2970. And I don't have teaser text for you about what happens there. So look at the show notes or don't and just get excited for the mystery. <laughs> Um, thanks so much for listening this week. Um, that's, that's all for now. Uh, but we will check in with you next time. Yeah. Oh, should we? Oh, we we say... gotta say where we're from. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm uh, Brick Chip on the internet. Find me on Tumblr. Find me on Twitter. If you got a spoiler, send it on a private thing. Yeah, and I'm uh, Crunch Leaf on Twitter and Leaf Crunch on Tumblr. And that is the show. That's the show. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Boop boop boop. <laughs>